It is a Football Friday, Week 18 edition, the season finale. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Kirschman joins me. Can't think of a better way to go out than with a win against the Seattle Seahawks. Get that first division win of the season and eliminate the Seahawks from the playoffs. For more on Sunday's matchup, we also head into enemy territory and speak with John Boyle, who covers the team for Seahawks.com. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 718, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a five. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. First things first, congratulations, Zach. You did what you were told to do. You came back from Philly with a win. I told you I was going to come back with a win regardless, but the, the fact that it came back to the Valley and everybody else on the plane was happy as well uh, was definitely a sight to see being down on the field for that. James Conner touchdown towards the end was was a pretty neat one at that. So definitely excited for the guys. They were very pumped in the locker room post game. Dreams and Nightmares was playing. Everything <laughs> could not have been better. And this could bode well for you moving into next season because you can point to this week, like the Cardinals can point to that week perhaps, Maybe to get Zach Gershman on more trips in 2024 and beyond. Look, that road trip to Los Angeles did did hurt us. So I'm one for one on on, on road trips. But hey, whatever whatever needs to be done, whatever needs to be done. The difference with the LA trip, because I and a lot of Arizona Cardinals employees were on that trip as well. That was we were kind of hybrid as far as employee in a working, non-working capacity. But the Eagles trip for you, that was a full business trip outside of the time you spent with your family on Mm -hmm. Saturday because it was a two day trip. But I I would not put that L.A. on your record. I would still say Zach Gershman is one and oh when traveling. It was a preseason game, if anything like that. (laughs) Just a few weeks earlier. Test run. Test run. Exactly. No, it was it was a very cool experience just getting to to see how this team does it and it's it's a grind it's a grind to fly across the country two times within the month of december when they went to pittsburgh then you go to chicago and then you go to philadelphia so you definitely had a a grind in december when it comes to the travel schedule but overall it was it was so neat being in the stadium i grew up going to as, as a little kid and then i was i was talking with coach rob rodriguez and just the fact that you know, being there, returning back, but being able to do it wearing my Cardinals red suit. Uh, it was definitely a pretty neat one. It was cool to have my dad there. My little sister was there as well. So to I think for them to see, you know, their little Zach uh, kind of be at the game was pretty neat for them as well. So you're saying in addition to Jonathan Gannon, Nick Rollis, and Zach Paschal, Kaiser White was on the trip but obviously did not play. But we can include you as far as maybe those players in the locker room, maybe a little extra oomph for Zach to come back with a win. Is that I ha- what you're saying? I had a little extra. Oh, okay, you did. They didn't. Okay. If they didn't, I like I compensated for them by having that little extra oomph. Fair enough. So the road trips are done. There is one more home game that is Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. 
Cardinals and Seahawks will kick off at 2.25. 9.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network a little bit later on. Had a chance to speak with John Boyle, senior reporter for Seahawks.com. We'll get his thoughts on the matchup, what is a very big game for the Seahawks. They need a win and some help in order to get through the postseason. Cardinals, well, they can play the role of spoiler as they did last week against the Eagles, knocking Philadelphia from a two-seed to a five-seed. Jonathan Gannon didn't really want to talk about that, but a little bit more of a satisfaction after the fact. And then as the big thing is just going into the offseason on a high note. No, momentum doesn't carry over from week to week or season to season, but as Gannon talked about on Friday, confidence. The confidence that the coaches are on the right track in what they're asking their players to do scheme-wise and in confidence for the players on an individual basis. Yes, this is my role within this offense, defense, or special teams. And then just feeling good year one under a brand-new front office, brand-new coaching staff going into year two where I believe the expectations will be much, much higher. Most certainly, and I think this would have been one of those weekends that you wished you could flip-flop week 17 and week 18 and have the Philadelphia, regardless of the result, regardless if you come away with the win, although if you're able to do it at home, that's definitely going to be sweet. The the momentum component, I know JG said he's not a believer in that, but I truly believe that the guys in the locker room can still feel that. They, they feed off of each other. Their togetherness is something that's talked about on a weekly basis. So I do believe that if they were to come away with the win, that does give momentum going into the offseason. The guys are going to be around each other more. They do and they will always have that Philadelphia win. They will always have that win against the Cowboys and that game against the Falcons with Kyler Murray coming back and then the two weather delays against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Each win that the Cardinals have had this year has had a little bit extra meaning to it. The first win, the Cowboys, Jonathan Gannon's first win. Then you got Kyler's return. Then the weather delays in James Conner's return and then JG's return to Philadelphia with Nick Rollins. So every single win that they've had so far has meant something. If they could get JG his first divisional win, ruin their NFC West rivals' playoff aspirations, each win that you've had this year, it's not just one on the record book. It, it has a little meaning to it. And finish the season 500 with Kyler Murray as your quarterback. Going 4-4, four and four, I think, would say a lot with still a lot of work to be done in the offseason on both sides of the line of scrimmage as far as the talent upgrade but to have a quarterback come in without an offseason, without a training camp, without a preseason, year one within this offense and the steps that he has taken to be a leader, to be a franchise quarterback, have that question fully answered by everyone, I think would say something as well. And without his top wide receivers, Hollywood Brown was banged up that second game that he was out there. You know, it's like they, in the game against Houston with Kyler Murray back in week in week 11, he hurt his, he bruised his heel or whatever the injury was. And Hollywood Brown wasn't the same for the rest of the season. Michael Wilson was out for a handful of games. Your running game wasn't going or you're playing catch up too much, whatever it is. Yes. We were able to see the, the, the rise and the emergence of Trey McBride, which has been great to see. And he has definitely stepped up to the plate and you know swung for the fences. And he's hit a home run a lot of the time throughout the season. It is that confidence, though, that an offseason with your wide receivers, once you go into the offseason as well, and I'm sure they'll work out outside the facility and they'll go do trips and stuff like that, that togetherness and those connections that you're going to be able to build, it's not just going to be Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown anymore. It's now going to incorporate Michael Wilson into it. Now you know Trey McBride's your tight end one of the future. The, the, the chemistry 
is going to continue to evolve as the weeks go on in the offseason. That rhythm in the passing game, which you didn't really have a chance to work on, mm -hmm. limited reps in practice, and then obviously your game reps. So that's certainly something to point to in the offseason. As far as this game in particular on the injury front, no Dante Stills, no Greg Williams, or excuse me, no Garrett Williams. Both have been ruled out. Stills rolled an ankle late in the game against the Eagles. Uh, I should say Williams rolled an ankle late in that game. Stills hurt his knee against the Eagles. So two of your standout rookies, you know, part of that draft class, unavailable to close out the season, which is unfortunate. But Gannon was very effusive in his praise for those two players, especially Stills, who got the opportunity because of a number of injuries in that position room. And then it's one thing to get the opportunity. It's another thing to make something of that opportunity. He's maximized it. And he's not the biggest guy out there. He's not the biggest guy on the field, but he has made the most of it. And we've seen throughout the season, his personality has grown on the team. You're able to see how much fun he truly is having. I remember talking to him during training camp, and he was just trying to fight for a roster spot. And he was saying how the guys have started to take him under his wing a little bit. You know, Jonathan Ledbetter, Kevin Strong, and how much fun he was having. But Nick Rawls told him back then, you just have to pray, play free and just play as we saw you play in college. We're going to have you do different things in the NFL. You're going to be more on the inside. You're going to be a little bit more of that nose tackle interior defensive lineman as opposed to being on the edge like he played a little bit in college. But to see how he's evolved as a player as the year has gone on, he looks like a veteran out there despite only being a rookie. And Garrett Williams, you never knew what you were really going to get from Garrett Williams coming off the ACL. You never know if the player is going to be the same or not. And he's he's stepped up to the plate as well, and he's done a really solid job out there in that nickel. Made his season debut against the Seahawks and had an interception in that game as well. Stills, I should say, was mic'd up for that game against the Eagles. I highly recommend it. Go to the Arizona Cardinals YouTube channel. It's on other social media channels as well. But you can see some of that personality that you just discussed come out in that. And then if you look at that position room, three of the team's Five D linemen on the active roster were not with the team in training camp. Roy Lopez, Naquan Jones, and Phil Hoskins. And that speaks to the players and also the coaches as well because of the number of injuries in that room. Now, Lucky Fotu potentially could come back this week. He's practiced for two straight weeks, now has not played since week 11 because of a hand injury. Could see Fotu. Now they would have to open up a roster spot. But a roster move is coming because DJ Humphreys, we know, is headed to IR with that torn ACL. The one thing that concerns me a little bit, it really shouldn't be too much of a concern, but and that's why I say a little bit, is that going into Friday's practice, Leckie hasn't been a full participant yet. He's only been limited so far. So if you want to get him out there, and you probably now with, with Dante Stills being inactive this weekend, you probably will push a little bit harder for him to get out there because you're going to need resources on that defensive line. But in, in general, that, that unit has taken so many hits throughout this year. you got to feel bad for Coach Derek. He's just constantly rotating pieces in and out. And, yes, Phil Hoskins has stepped in. Roy Lopez has done a really fine job going into this scheme middle way through the season, right after that Cowboys game, I believe they signed him. And, and he's done a really nice job for them. I was talking with him a little bit post-game, did a story on Monday about how – 
You know, he's still on the contract for another year. So he's still going to be with the team and how he's kind of grown into this role. And he's embraced it. And he's done a really solid job. And there's something that the coaching staff has loved is his upbringing, being a, a coach's son. He knows the right questions to ask. His intuitiveness being out on the field, it all, it all is on display. One other injury note, and it's not a concern, but Dennis Gardeck did not practice Wednesday because of a knee injury he was working out on the side, but did return to the practice field later in the week. So he should be good to go to close out the season. And then again, we'll wait for other roster moves as far as what potential practice squad players could be elevated to the active roster or maybe even signed to the active roster for this Week 18 game again Cardinals and Seahawks kicking off on Sunday at 225 as I mentioned earlier here on Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals had a chance to speak with John Boyle senior reporter Seahawks.com get his thoughts on what's going on with the Seahawks and we began our conversation with well the loss last week to the Steelers and how costly that loss was what is the feeling around the team, around the fan base, after losing control of the postseason destiny? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely, you know, when you talk about the team, there's some disappointment in the opportunity they knew. They, they let an opportunity get away. As Pete Carroll said after the game, he said, you know, we had control of it and we lost that control. So um, this team's always been good. It's a big kind of hallmark of a Pete Carroll team of whatever happened last week, putting it behind you, folks down the task at hand. So I think guys are shifting pretty quickly to the task at hand. Um, you know, we players seem pretty light and in a good mood um, when we were talking to them on Wednesday with practice, practice starting. But, yeah, I mean, they knew they missed an opportunity there, and now they need to go to Arizona, beat a team that sure seems to be playing a hell of a lot better than their record, and also get a little help. They need a Bears win over the Packers now. Do you think or do you know – Perhaps do coaches, players want updates during the game on Sunday since both games, Cardinals, Seahawks, Bears, Packers, are all playing at 225 Arizona time? You know, Pete Carroll kind of made a point of saying they can't really worry about that because if they don't take care of their own business, then what happens in that game won't matter. So, I mean, look, it's human nature. If they're showing the scores around the stadium, I'm sure guys will probably notice. But, you know, league prohibits phones. You know, guys can't have cell phones on the sideline or anything, so they're not probably going to know what's going on too much during the game. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they all understand the best thing for them is to just play their game, try to get a win, and then, you know, get to the locker room and find out what happened. Because if, if they get distracted by a game going on on the other side of the country and it costs them their effort, then, you know, what good does that do if the Bears win and the Seahawks lose? Yeah, reading what you wrote on Seahawks.com, listening to Pete Carroll, Bobby Wagner this week, it is obvious no one is happy with how the defense played last week against yeah. the Steelers. So the question is, what is the solution? Yeah, you know, Pete Carroll kind of talked about that a little bit, and he, he said they'll change some things. He obviously isn't going to say what, and I don't know if that, you know, sometimes that's personnel. We've seen him make a few tweaks. You know, they made some big changes, not big, but they made a few changes in the secondary a few weeks ago when they were getting beat by some big plays in the passing game, and that did help. So, um, you know, I, whether it's personnel changes or just, you know, Pete did kind of hint at sometimes it's getting back to fundamentals, getting back to what you're doing in training camp. Um, but whatever it is, they need to be a lot better against the run because they've been giving up a lot of yards of late, including 202 yards on the ground to the Steelers. And uh, as you guys all well know, the Arizona Cardinals are running the ball really well right now. Seahawks don't improve their run defense quite a bit, they could be in trouble. Yeah, I wanted to get into that because over the last six weeks or the six opponents, the Seahawks have allowed at least 135 rushing yards 
and now you get James Conner, who missed the first meeting in Week 7. So how big of a challenge are the Seahawks facing on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, a really big challenge. It's, they understand that, you know, the, the version of the Cardinals they saw early in the season is different. You know, you mentioned James Conner. There's also the Kyler Murray's back. He wasn't in that game. So very different offense, different rushing attack. And, you know, it just, it for a lot of reasons, it is not on the ground. You, know, the, you mentioned the 136 yards in five of those games has been over 160. So um, it's it's been a problem. You know, th- this past week was particularly troubling just because they're missing so many tackles. You know, they'd, they'd actually get the guys near the line of scrimmage and then get drugged for a lot of yards or just miss. So, um, you know, like I said, they, Pete Carroll said they need to change. We'll see how what that looks like. But um, that's, you know, kind of what's holding their defense back right now. You mentioned Kyler missing that game in October. He's had some decent success in his career against you guys. Last week had his best game of the season, maybe the best game he's had in a couple of years. What are you hearing about what the Seahawks have seen on tape from Kyler? Yeah, I mean, uh, Pete Carroll was asked about that as well, and he, you know, he said he looks like he's all the way back and doesn't look at all like a guy come back from an injury. And if anything, maybe playing a little better than ever these last couple of weeks. So, you know, they, he's got their attention. They know he's a guy that can make plays in you know run and pass game. And this defense has you know has a lot to clean up. They know that, and Kyler Murray's not going to make it easy to do that. One more defensive question before we switch it over to the offense. The addition of Leonard Williams, as we talk about players that were not involved in that first meeting, his presence on that defense, four sacks, nine games, how has he fit in? Yeah, he's been really good. He's been kind of a bright spot as this, you know, some of these recent struggles and overall the defense isn't playing well, but you mentioned, you know, the four sacks. I think three of those are in the last five games maybe. So he's really coming on strong. Um, you know, like any defensive lineman, it took a little time for him to kind of get settled in with, you know, you're learning your role in a new defense. You're learning the tendencies of the guys you're playing next to. Um, but he's really gotten going maybe the last five, six games. And just he's been a real force getting in the backfield a lot, doing all the things, you know, you'd expect of a guy his caliber. So he's, he's been a really nice addition. All right, let's switch it up here and talk about the Seahawks on offense as we speak with John Boyle, senior reporter, Seahawks.com, Cardinals and Seahawks coming up on Sunday from State Farm Stadium. That first meeting back in October, the Cardinals forced three turnovers. The Seahawks at that point had turned the ball over three times total all season. And you look at what the Seahawks have done since as far as protecting the football, how much of what we saw week seven was more of an anomaly as far as keeping the ball in Geno Smith's hands? Yeah, you know, there were some more turnover issues early in the season. That There was a stretch of games there, including that one you mentioned, where they had they had multiple turnovers in four straight games. So that was a problem. It wasn't all Geno Smith, but some of that was on him early in the year. Um, or kind of that mid-season stretch, but they, they've been better since then. They, they did turn it over once, and it was very costly against the Steelers, uh, but before that, they had gone two straight games without a turnover, winning both those games. So I do think they're getting cleaner there. Geno Smith's been playing better you know, since returning from injury these last few weeks than and actually the game right before he got hurt. The game was the Cowboys they lost, but he played phenomenal in that game. So he has been better late in the year and just been making some better decisions and better throws. Overall, Geno Smith, 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions this season. He will have at his availability this week DK Metcalf, one of those players that, again, missed that first meeting against the Cardinals in October. Metcalf has played well this season. How big of a key is he in what the Seahawks do offensively? 
Yeah, I mean, he's really big. He doesn't necessarily get, you know, the big volume numbers of, you know, maybe whether you're talking about A.J. Brown or some of these guys who are the clear number one receiver. Um, and that's nothing to do with his ability as much as just the guys around him. When you've got Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the first-round pick, he's come on really strong the second half of the season. So, you know, he's maybe not getting the huge number of targets every game, but he's really productive when they do throw to him. He's, you know, averaging, I, I don't have her in front of me, I want to say it's around 18 yards a catch. It's it's the most of his career right now. He's over 1,100 yards, so he's having a great season. Um, I overestimate it's only 17 yards a catch, but still really good. So, yeah, I mean, that, that game that you mentioned he missed, that's the only game he's missed in his career. He's been a very durable, tough player, but he's, yeah, he's a big part of what they do. And what's really shown up later in the season is he's he's been a really good go-to guy late in games. And he's, when they need these late drives, they need a big completion on third down, whatever it is late in the game. He's been the guy that Geno Smith feels real comfortable going to. Yeah, last week, 106 receiving yards against the Steelers. We speak here on Thursday on players who may or may not be available. Injury concerns along the offensive line and with running back Kenneth Walker. I know a lot can happen between now and Sunday, but is this a big concern or not? You know, Kenneth Walker sounds like he's okay. You know, he's been playing. He's been kind of dealing with a banged-up shoulder for a while. It knocked him out of the game briefly last week, then he came back. Pete Carroll said he was looking pretty good to go on Wednesday, so they're not too worried about him. The offensive line, though, they do have some concerns. Evan Brown, their starting center, has a concussion, and you know, like any concussion, you don't know until later in the week, but it's becoming more and more regular in the NFL that guys just don't get back in one week, so we'll have to wait and see there. Um, and then their starting right tackle, Abe Lucas, he was on IR for the first half of the season with a knee injury, came back, has played well, but then he left this last game um, with some issues with that same knee, and Pete Carroll indicated it's going to be tough for him to get back. Uh, Jason Peters, the 41-year-old ageless wonder who's fill, been filling in, He's dealing with a foot injury, so he would normally be the next guy at right tackle, but he sounds unlikely to be available. So they might be down to Stone Forsyth, who's you know a solid player. He's he's filled in for them at times this year, early in the year before that. Jason Peters going for him. So um, yeah, they they definitely will be a little shorthanded on the line, but they they the good news is they had a lot of injuries early in the year that forced them to play a lot of guys, so they feel like they have a lot of guys who are game ready and have experience. They start, I think they've started ten different offensive linemen this year, so. They feel like whoever they have to plug in there is going to be ready. To go. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because I read that number earlier in the week, the number of different offensive line combinations, and that's typically something you don't want along the yeah. offensive line. You want your five guys because they work so well together as a unit, but kind of plugging in and mixing and matching. How how has the offensive line overall played considering the revolving doors at a number of different positions? Yeah, you know, that, that's been a big topic all year. The, the injuries that before, before this last week, they had kind of gotten healthy. They'd had about a three, four week stretch of being pretty settled there. Um, but they are, you know, they've been doing that all year, just all these different combinations. And, you know, I would say given all that they've gone through, they've done a pretty good job keeping it going. It, it hasn't been a perfect year. Geno Smith's been under, you know, a little more pressure than you like, although he's handled that pressure very well. He's been good under pressure getting the ball out. Um, and then the run game, you know, the running game has just been more inconsistent than anything. They have some really nice moments, but they haven't really gotten to the running game as much as Pete Carroll would like. So, yeah, I mean, it, you wouldn't look at the overall body of work and say this offensive line has just been dominant or anything like that, but when you kind of look at the caveat of all the games they've been having starters out and having to shift guys around, 
I think it's been a pretty good job by that group and a pretty good job of coaching to, to keep them going. Last question. It's on uh, Kenneth Walker. It sounds like he'll be available this week, which is unfortunate for the Cardinals because he did run very well against them in that first meeting. He hasn't really, though, come close to that 105 rushing yards in Week 7. Is it because of the offensive line or just the nature of games as far as more throwing than running? Yeah, I think it's more the the latter. I mean, he he's been playing well. I mean, he's you know he averaged five point three yards a carry last week, but he only got ten carries. So um, he's you know I don't think it's anything a, de- a decline in his play. It's just you know they they have not gotten the run game as much as they wanted. Sometimes that you know like a good example of last week's game, Pittsburgh just had these long drives, possessed the ball a ton. She actually ran forty nine offensive plays. So when that happens, when you're playing from behind in the second half. You're just not getting enough chances to run the ball to put up the numbers that that we you know we saw from Kenneth Walker as a rookie and maybe earlier this year. So, you know, ideally they'd love to get him. You know, 26 carries against Cardinals earlier this year was a season high. They they'd love to get back to that if they can make that happen. 61 of those 105 rushing yards in the first half in that first meeting against the Cardinals in Week 7. John, always appreciate the time. Should be a lot of fun. The Cardinals with nothing to play for outside of the role of spoiler. And, of course, Cardinals Seahawks is always entertaining, especially at State Farm Stadium. We'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always appreciate John's time as we welcome Zach Gershman back here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And one of the big aspects of this game And again, I know it's team before me. However, there is a feeling that I have amongst the offensive linemen particularly that Sunday could be a big game for James Conner. As I mentioned in our conversation with John Boyle, this Seahawks run defense has been awful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been dreadful. And here you have James Conner, 110 yards shy of 1,000 for the season. First time in his career that he would hit the century mark. And it's not just a reflection on how well Connor has played despite missing four-plus games. wild. But a reflection of how well the offensive line has performed with Connor as the running back. The best part about this, and I've spoken to a handful of linemen in the locker room, they're very aware <laughs> of the fact that James Connor only needs 110 yards. And when I spoke with Will Hernandez, he said to me, he's like, look, we live through James Conner, at least, at least statistically. Yeah, you'll have the amount of pancake blocks an offensive lineman has, but it's not really like you're going to have you know, stats that are very flashy. How much time does your quarterback have in the pocket that you've been able to create for him through blocking, through pass protection, and what can your running backs do? And when you have a one-two punch like James Conner and Michael Carter, it's producing really well in terms of statistically – for the Cardinals offensive line and the running game as as a whole. It's funny because we went into the beginning of the season, cram it ball vertical, cram it vertical. That was the team's identity. And you weren't fully sure if that was going to fully be the case, how much, what that really meant. Could James Conner handle that work that workload? We knew the type of power back that he is. But to have the four games that he missed when he hurt his knee after that game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and for him to be knocking on the door of a thousand yards has been quite remarkable, but the bond that they have, they want to see James Conner get it. Yeah. It's for, you know, them too. So they could say that we're a little bit a part of it, but they want James Conner to get it because they, they love the type of guy that he is in that locker room. It is the sixth best rushing offense in the league. Number two, as far as yards per carry, as you round up 
4.99. So let's just say five yards a carry. But again, going back to the offensive line, I know you wrote about it on azcardinals.com, but to me that is the position group that is the biggest, I don't know, biggest surprise, pleasant surprise this season considering the questions we had going into the year. Yelda Froholt. Could he be your starter? Well, he's going to start every single game this season. Only had four starts in his career before this season. Paris Johnson Jr., could he be? Is he ready to be a tackle in this league? He hasn't missed a snap, snap. this season. Will Hernandez, steady. Very good. I love Will on the right side next to Paris Johnson. DJ Humphreys, before getting hurt, up and down season, but for the most part, a very solid season for DJ Humphreys. Left guard's been kind of a revolving door. Different players, Tristan Colon, Elijah Wilkinson. Uh, there was one. Carter O'Donnell. Connor O'Donnell. So they're still trying to figure that out. But four out of five, and the fact that most of those five have been on the field all season long, and I say this all the time, on an offensive line, you don't need pro bowlers, all pro individually. But how do they work together as a unit and the offensive line I thought performed excellent this season. They performed well enough for James Conner to be a pro bowler. And unfortunately, he did not get the nod. Buda Baker got the nod for the Cardinals, which is awesome. Buda definitely deserves it as well. For but but with this one, like you mentioned you go across the line and everybody has brought something to that offensive line. And even when DJ Humphreys was out in week 10 and Kyler's debut. Kelvin Beecham stepped in, and Kelvin Beecham has done a really solid job. It hasn't been like the offensive line has taken a step back. So that's a huge component of it. I, I think I think in general, the, the collectiveness of that group and something that Paris said is it's all the personalities and their comfortability with each other. We heard on Big Red Rage when Will Hernandez was on. He talked about the team dinners that they have outside of the facility, all the offensive alignment together, the way that they could sometimes find Paris if they see him talking to the media or whatever it is, the collectiveness and the togetherness in that room does translate out onto the field and you're able to fully see it. it, it they're a very well-connected group and I think that that has been an area where we went into it. I remember one of the first cover twos I did this season and during training camp was, is Yelder Froholt the guy? Do we want Pat Elfline? Who's it going to be? And Yelda Froholt has stepped in, and, and he, he has flourished this year. I'm thoroughly impressed with what Froholt has done this season. He's under contract for next season, so that is good news to keep that continuity along the offensive line. And I do think the running back position is going to be something to watch on Sunday. Not only James Conner, but how do the Cardinals handle Kenneth Walker? Banged up recently because of a shoulder issue, but he has been limited this week in practice. But Walker, his best game this season was against the Cardinals. Over 100 rushing yards. Hasn't really come close to that since. And I do think, and Gannon mentioned it on Friday, how do the Cardinals handle Walker? Because they didn't do a very good job against him in Week 7. Yeah, that run defense, though, has, has totally evolved. I mean, now you take a little bit of a step back because you really just have Kevin Strong back there. And you, you do have Roy Lopez, who we previously spoke about. But those are really your two defensive linemen, and that's really it. So it's a matter of getting those edge rushers, trying to make the quarterback as uncomfortable as possible. You have to try and make Geno Smith as uncomfortable as possible so you know you're going to be in run-first situations majority of the time. And then when you go into it, that philosophy and that mindset, you know, your, your Mike linebackers, your Chris Barnes, Owen Papa, they're going to need to get in into the mix, try to meet him at the line, try, try dramming him up there. Kenneth Walker is a good back. He's a small back, but he's physical. And, and the Cardinals – 
saw what he was able to do. That was kind of his welcome to the NFL game in a positive way. He hasn't really had that as much recently, but he's he's really solid back there. But this team's aware. This team's aware of number nine's ability. 827 rushing yards, better than four yards a carry for Kenneth Walker. You brought up Buda Baker earlier, and I do want to touch on that and offer our congratulations for Buda's Pro Bowl nod once again. But this is his hometown team, not in Seattle, but still, whenever you face the Seahawks, it means something to... Buda Baker, and again, as we mentioned, he was asked about it this week, but kind of in that same mantra as the head coach, we just want to get a win. But you know it would be nice if Buda goes into the offseason with a season split as opposed to being swept because when he does go back home, you talk. Mm -hmm. And you want to be able to have something to say as opposed to just sitting there and taking it because you weren't able to beat that team from the Pacific Northwest. Especially when you have yet to win a divisional game. And the Seahawks are going into this expecting to win and hoping that Green Bay loses so that they're able to get in. But if the Cardinals, because you already know that it's natural human instinct. There's definitely going to be somebody that's going to be checking the Green Bay Packers score at the same time as the Arizona Cardinals when they play against the Seattle Seahawks this weekend uh, on Sunday at State Farm Stadium. It's human instinct. They're not going to be, in my opinion, 100% locked in. Even if they are 99% locked in, there's still 1% that you're able to make the most of. And Buda Baker is the type of guy that he's going to maximize that 1%. He's going to try taking advantage of it. And I, you, he hasn't had the splash plays this year that he wants to have. But if he's able to be one of the reasons and lead his team to a win against that hometown squad, when he does go back home during the offseason and goes to see family and friends and everybody out there, if he's able to say, well, we, we took away your dreams of the playoffs this year, that's definitely something that regardless of the previous matchup, you, you could go into saying. be nice if Buda does get either a fumble – or a, an interception. Pick six. I'm pick, calling I'm it. I'm calling it a pick I'm six. I'm calling it. Okay. Don't clip it, but like I'm calling it. <laughs> um, one last note on this game, and it's what you are writing for Saturday on azcardinals.com. We call it in advance, just a preview piece, because what we've seen, what we've heard the last couple of days, really the last week and a half, is everyone is trying to figure out off-season content. Like, what is needed, how did individuals, how did position groups perform? So you're asking coaches, you're asking players some big-picture thoughts. Gannon, on an individual basis, will offer some praise for players, doesn't really like to single out individuals, but when asked by you, Zach, about the offseason, the response was what? There is no why to the offseason, Zach. Because the offseason hasn't arrived yet. Yep. The leadership in the locker room, JG said, quote, I'm very direct about the way I want this game to be approached. And and they expect to win it. They expect to play spoiler. It's not that they're going into this to play spoiler. If the Seahawks were in playoff contention, if they were already you know clinched, or if they weren't, Jonathan Gannon and his squad still want to come away with the win, regardless of the regardless of the other team's situations. They go between those white lines. You want to win. That's why when I asked him, like, how do you keep them locked in when, you know, your trips to Cabo are already, you know, you're starting to to look at the weather out there on your, you know, your 14-day forecast or whatever. And JG said, no, nope, we're focused in on this one. And Monday, the questions will come about. Sunday will be postgame. I'm sure somebody will ask a handful of questions about, you know, the future. JG will probably save it for Monday. 
And then Monday, we'll see how much we really get from the head coach. But it's uh, the the eye to the offseason is not being discussed in, in this facility. It can be frustrating at times for you and I, maybe some fans who are always looking ahead. But I do understand and I appreciate that week-to-week mindset that coaches have, that players have to live in the moment, not to get too far ahead of themselves because when you start looking forward, you forget about what you're doing in the moment. And that, I think, Gannon has preached from day one. Which is something that when I asked Kyler a very similar question, I appreciated his response. And he said, I, with, the, when the, with the amount of games I've missed this year, I take advantage and I'm grateful for every opportunity to get out there and I want to get out there. The fact that he's able to say something like that and recognize that, Kyler, you know, we, he went into saying, like, this is my eight-game sample. Let me see what I'm able to do. Jonathan Gannon all but surely said that Kyler Murray's your guy next year. So he still, he still went into it saying, hey, I'm here to make the most of my opportunity. I want to win. That's why I play the game to win. He, I, something I loved what he said was, like, People can have their opinions about winning or losing, but like I'm in this league to win, and I play to win, and that's what I plan on doing this Sunday. The goal on Sunday is to win the game, regardless of what it may or may not mean for the Seahawks. Can the Cardinals finish on a high note going into the offseason? That is what the focus is for those coaches, for those players, and then, of course, we'll discuss it here on Cardinals Cover 2. Cardinals and Seahawks kicking off at 2.25. 9.30 pregame coverage begins. Cardinals looking to finish on a two-game winning streak and go into the offseason with a 4-4 four and four record with Kyler Murray as quarterback. You ready, Zach? Oh, I'm ready. This season has flown by. <laughs> it's flown by. It's crazy. You wait all offseason and the grind of training camp to get to the regular season, and then in a blink of an eye, the regular season is done. It's here. One more game, week 18, Cardinals and Seahawks. Hope to see the Bird Gang out there at State Farm Stadium. On that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Zach Gersman, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.